Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom and it features two regular hosts, the comedian Sajila Kershey and myself, Julian Hall. And each week we have two guests to help us trawl through Twitter. This week we had comedians Matt Green and Louisa Omelan. We spent quite a bit of time going through tweets about the elections, including ones about Starmageddon, as it had been termed, although the results weren't necessarily as straightforward in some areas. We also took in tweets about the Japanese town who spent their Covid relief grant on a statue of a squid, and the man who, after living in a flat for two years, discovered he had a dishwasher he didn't know about. So there was plenty of light and shade in this episode. We really hope you enjoy it. Please do follow us on Twitter at LKTZoom for more information and updates. Hello, it's Sunday night. It's eight o'clock and you're watching Let's Kill Twitter. My name is Julian Hall and this is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Oh, and as ever, ever professionally, I have to turn down my, my camera. That never normally happens. Um, luckily, I won't be doing this alone. We'll be introducing two fantastic guests in a minute. The comedians Luisa Milan and Matt Green, but also the equally fantastic comedian that is Sajila Kershi, my co-host. Hello, Sajila. How are hey. you? How are you? I'm... Happy, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday. Ha um, yeah, yeah. How are you? Pretty well. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. A little bit flat out from uh, election watching. If I, you know, basically juggling two screens, having having the news on one and going through Twitter on the other. So you know. Basically, unless it has a ticker across it, I'm not interested. Luckily, our show does have a ticker running across it. You know, this is going to sound weird, but I, I've caught all the election stuff on Twitter and I've not watched anything on TV at all this week. How mad is that? So I kind of know everything happened. Apart from the, apart from when, when I didn't know who, who the mayor was, and I think there was a tweet which I forgot to add to our tweets, but it, from um, Meryl O'Rourke saying, who the fuck is... Is the mayor, and I'm like, yes. Who is it? Because we don't know. But obviously, we'll talk about. It later. Well, I've got to say, it did take an awfully long time for for London to declare, didn't it? I mean, it is slow normally, but it was like you know Nevada in the U.S. election, but on a Sunday or something. It was very, very slow. And we have got an absolute slew of tweets from the election, but many, many, many other things as well. So it's going to be a really packed show tonight. And um, so I'm going to kick off and introduce. Matt Green, uh, whose videos have been very much enjoying. Matt is a comedian, actor, writer, director. He's performed all over the world. And when lockdown started in 2020, he started producing some fantastic videos that went viral with ten hundreds of thousands of likes and retweets and shares. Uh, you might also uh, recognize Matt from various acting roles, including The Fabulous Fresh Meat and Cuckoo and also Finding Neverland. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Green. Hello. Oh, thank you very much. Hello, it's nice to be here. Are we also allowed to mention the Harvey Keitel ad as well? I mean, you've you've done it now, so yeah, why not? I did. I do actually really enjoy that. Actually, adverts are art too. How are you, Matt? Uh, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm sort of still quite feeling quite locked down i was not doing that much outside the house but i've still I've, I've done a little bit more in the last couple of weeks i sort of feel like i'm beginning to emerge from whatever this weird year has been yeah it's been it's been a bit crazy i mean how have you found the the success of the videos and that must be 
you know, something to be proud of, obviously. Yeah, it's been lovely. I mean, I've been doing, as you say, I've been, I sort of started making them a probably about two or three weeks into lockdown feeling like well I've you know all the live shows have disappeared and at that point no one was doing zoom gigs or anything so there was kind of nothing else to do so I did a few then and, and I've just kind of kept kept going really and then in the last two or three months I've started doing slightly more maybe topical uh, well they were always quite topical but these ones are a bit more sort of satirical about the uh, about the news and about politics and stuff and that some of those have really started hitting and getting lots of shares and retweets and stuff as you say and that's been yeah lovely and I, I feel like I'm beginning to actually kind of build a bit of an audience now and people are beginning to you know wait and see what my next video is and they're kind of excited about it which gives you a real sense of great I've got to make another one <laughs> which is uh, uh, which is what oh, you need no. you know? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm yeah, exactly. sort of interesting in terms of the topicality. Uh, have you sort of felt that you consciously become more sort of political, or is it just the fact that the news agenda is just so rammed full of interesting nuggets? I think I think initially a lot of the sketches I did were topical, but about COVID. So it was about lockdown and about what it was like in lockdown, and imagining various characters in various lockdown scenarios and that kind of stuff. And all the uh, over the summer and the autumn, all the different changes and you know all the different rules changes and stuff and then yeah i think in the last two or three months i've just i've been i've been getting more and more kind of annoyed with the news and annoyed with the politics of the day uh and sort of deciding to kind of yeah uh, push that into my um videos a bit more and i think just two or three of them have really connected and i thought actually yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going keep on this scene you know i'm not not only doing political stuff but that's definitely becoming more the uh more the focus now yeah i'm really not surprised actually um we uh, we usually ask guests as well when you've prepped it. I know we ask guests what their biggest sort of Twitter uh, involvement was uh, in any sort of form and in anything that's sort of gone off. And uh, I think you believe you are able to project that onto your green screen. I am. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just to give you a bit of context, so I've been doing all these videos and stuff this year, but before that, my biggest interaction on Twitter was definitely this tweet, which I can share for you. Um, there it is, uh, which, which I did in 2017. Brexit increasingly feels like a man in his 50s getting divorced because he can't wait to get back on Tinder. Uh, get, can't wait to get on Tinder and meet loads of 20 year olds. And that that joke um, just fit. I mean, I still st I stand by it. <laughs> I think it's still I think it's still true. Uh, but what was fascinating about that was it just it, it went really viral really quickly. Like I got thousands and th like way more retweets and shares than anything I'd had, had up until that point. Um, it was seen by, I don't know, three, four million people or something. And um, and that was because lots of people shared it, including like I went to bed that night thinking, I wonder if anyone else is going to share it. Like it's, it's done pretty well. And overnight, J.K. Rowling shared it, uh, retweeted it. And it just went bananas after that, as you can, <laughs> as you might imagine. Um, and it was just a, it was really fun because <laughs> the number of bizarre interactions I had on, you know, people basically hundreds of people replied telling me what the joke I just made was. That was always fun. Just sort of going, uh, yeah, you, yeah, but you, you won't meet any 20 year olds because he's 50. <laughs> it's like, yep. Yeah, that is that is literally the joke. That is the point I'm making. And then obviously people who liked Brexit were arguing, well, maybe his wife's abusing him and he needs to leave her and all that, you know, and, and other people sort of continued the metaphor in other ways. And it, it was just quite fun sort of seeing where this one little, just this idea, this little joke I made sort of ended up in loads of different versions and people sort of made their own sort of, and people keep coming back to it, you know, over the, over the next couple of years, people would occasionally retweet and go, God, I still think about this or this still makes sense or, well, yeah, it was a, it, it was a fun thing to find it sort of uh, be involved in that's your big moment then on twitter 
that was probably my biggest moment until this year until the videos and stuff which have kind of yeah which have been really fun but that that feels like the most sort of twittery thing that has ever happened to me do you, do you think that i'm going to ask louisa in a minute as well do you think that the um that the whole like online stuff during lockdown has raised your profile enough in a way that live at the apollo might have done in the olden days to because i find a lot of comedians who've been putting stuff out there during lockdown have like their profiles have really increased and they're getting to know get get known and i'm really impressed by that she was one of you know which was a, a previous guest do you think this is going to set up like an audience that will come to see you um you know once lockdown's over yeah well i i hope so um i mean that's not the only reason i'm, I'm doing it because because i enjoy doing it but yeah there's definitely an element of me that thinks yeah it'd be lovely to build a bit of an audience and my you know my twitter i think i've doubled my twitter followers this year um oh, and really? i've got way more youtube subscribers and all that kind of stuff so i think yeah that i think i'm hoping it will create a bit of an audience and it's just been, it's 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 been really interesting doing that thing of sort of going i'm just going to make stuff that i think's interesting i'm not going to worry too much about whether it's got an audience or not because who cares i'm just going to put it out and see what happens and actually it feels like that's that's quite an effective way of doing it you know so yeah for now but we'll see i mean the proof is in the pudding i'm doing some shows like in camden fringe in august and stuff like that and it'll be interesting to see if those people who turn up are people who've seen me on twitter or whether it's just random comedy goers as usual who knows i i don't care when we get out there just don't, i just still want them to stay two meters away from me i'm still <laughs> i feel like i can get back out there so thank you so much matt listen i think we should bring out our second guest Absolutely. who's um also a very good friend of mine and uh we, you know i've seen her career uh grow i've seen her grow i've seen you know we've grown together we started comedy sort of you know well we worked a lot together um and she's one of my favorite people she's a comedian actress and writer um, she had the most, I think, probably the most successful show to come out of Edinburgh with her What Would Beyonce Do? She had like cues all the way around the block and it is an absolute crime that she didn't even get a nod by the awards, but it didn't matter. She persevered. She came back with Am I Right, Am I right Ladies? Um, her, her thigh gap um, video, uh, which was watched by 40 million people, and uh, she's a self-promoting machine and basically i think is one of the the sort of you know like at the forefront of of getting twitter to back her and and create a fan base so please welcome the phenomenal woman i am proud to call my friend and a fellow comedian it's louisa Omelon. welcome welcome thanks for having me guys hey no worries good to see you good to be here what have you got behind you, by the way? What's going on there? This is my house, my living room. There's a giant mirror, and it's reflecting this. So on the wall, I've got um, I've got some prints from my show. So there's a Washer Willy print there, and some lips on the wall, some um, neon lips. They light up, and um, just a Let's Stay Home sign, which I actually bought before the pandemic, and it lights up. It's like a neon light, and then people were like, "Oh, did you get that for lockdown?" No, I just um, must have foreseen the circumstances. You're a witch. You're a witch. You predicted it. <laughs> you predicted it. Um, well, obviously, Louise, I've been to your house. I've been, I'm trying to work out where exactly it was there. Um, but you, you, you know, before lockdown, I know that you know we just talked about like using the lockdown uh, to kind of further your profile and stuff. Yeah. And really work. Um, and uh, how, firstly, have you found the lockdown kind of time in terms of creativity? Uh, I haven't been creative at all in lockdown. For me, lockdown came at a really good time because before lockdown happened, I ended up 
uh, 18 months ago just burnt out and I couldn't really um I couldn't really cope that well that's when you came up to see me and I just was really struggling I'd just been working solidly in comedy for a while since the Beyonce show really it was kind of non-stop you know um and just always feeling like I'm on a treadmill with no particular <laughs> goal or aim or too many aspirational aims or too much you know too much pressure on myself too much and I burnt out um at the beginning of lockdown so when lockdown happened I felt such a sense and a wave of relief because everybody stopped at the same time so I kind of felt fortunate that I didn't have to keep going or show face or try and keep up with everybody so actually I've been incredibly lucky and fortunate to lockdown that I've been healthy I've been safe I've been in my home like it's actually done me the, the world of good. I've kind of like built my home and built a nice little safe space and, and a good foundation to start again, I think. Mm. Um, so say that, Louisa, but I also know that you did put um, your show, was it, was it, which show did you put out on? Oh, on I did, YouTube? yeah, I did a few shows online because I ran out of money. So I was like, oh, fuck, I want no fucking money. Right. Um, can, we just, can we just tell everyone how many people you got into your Zoom show, the first one? Oh. I had a thousand. I had over a thousand people watch. Wow. Thousand people. Yeah. What does that even look like? <laughs> it was a Valentine. It was my Valentine's party. I did a Valentine's show, and I do a Valentine's party every year where I just do my show followed by an after party. And um, I wanted to do something fun, so I did it free for NHS workers or key workers. So if you worked in petrol station or Audi or whatever, free tickets, and then pay tickets. And it was so weird. I think it's so funny, isn't it? Like. By doing free tickets for NHS, they then told their friends to buy tickets. So actually it worked out, like I was very fortunate that people, so many people, you know, uh, supported and, and bought tickets. And I had such a good time. It was the weirdest thing because I didn't realise then that you could do Zoom where you have people watching on YouTube and the people watching on Zoom. So there's not much interference. I had all thousand on Zoom and it just crashed and like, like the sound went completely wrong. It was awful. So then I had to mute everybody. So then I'm doing a show to silence to a thousand people <laughs> like it was pretty awkward but i oh i had such a good time i loved it yeah, well, loved yeah. It. people are people really being uh, wonderful about it go back to twitter um obviously we do ask this question what was your moment on twitter that kind of you think you know was your big explosive uh, I really had like i'm not very good on twitter i'm not very good in one liners i'm not particularly funny but what what i will say is i remember back in the day when i was doing what beyonce do because i was doing it like you said without an agent or a pr or a person and what would beyonce do was such a cool hashtag for people i thought if you like comedy if you don't if you're not sure if you like comedy but you like beyonce you'll love my show like my show is for you like my, my show was to try and attract an audience that wasn't a traditional stand-up audience so i would get my audience to tweet with a hashtag what would beyonce do and then I would retweet all the praise. So anybody that said they loved the show, I would retweet it. So that anybody that Googled hashtag what Beyonce did could see the reviews from people that were like them to see the show. Rather than reviews from, you know, established comedy agents or reviewers who perhaps didn't get it at the time. Like, now they get it, but at the time they didn't really get it. I wanted, I wanted the audience to reflect, you know, what other audiences thought. And actually it was Twitter, it was very much Twitter and retweeting praise um that helped me build that audience that helped me get access to that audience because it was like it was giving them something to search for and it was it was telling them if you like the sound of this come along like it was just you know it was a direct means of communication with an audience that i didn't have direct access to before it's a very kind of uh, and, and 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 i mean this in the most complimentary way very kardashian kind of like you involve yeah. the audience in the process which i think yeah. is fantastic 
Um, so welcome to both of you and, uh, you know, what like two phenomenally talented people you are. Um, really glad to have you on board. So, Julian, we, I think we should, have you got... Yeah, well, I mean, well, first, before we dive in, so listen, I think we've got to make the election the, the first, it's the biggest section, so we're going to try and bite that one first. Uh, before we launch into it, um, Louisa, when I was watching Politics for Bitches, at the beginning of the show, you basically are very clear about, look, if you come to the show and you're a politics nerd, this isn't this isn't the show for you, et cetera, et cetera. But having done that show, your as your perception or your sort of, you know, how you feel about politics, and obviously, it seems a silly question, your engagement with politics obviously changed, but in terms of how you feel about it as a kind of, you're more tuned into it. Um, I'm probably more aware of things, yeah. I'm probably more aware than I was, but um, my feelings haven't changed towards it. It still makes me very angry and very sad, actually, just to see things. And it's it's quite interesting. In, in lockdown, following politics on Twitter, like, I would go to Twitter for my news. Before I would look at the news sources, I would see what was trending on Twitter to see what people were talking about, what yeah. was happening, what was going on. And um, I think it started making me quite um, just stressed and unhappy, actually, just being constantly just all the negative stuff on Twitter. So I had to stop following the news for a bit because, and politics, um, which is a shame because that's the opposite of what you want. You want people who are invested and, you know, who care. But um, even recently with these elections recently, I just genuinely, I don't understand the country that I'm living in. I just think I've, I just, I think I'm, I don't get it. I don't, I must have such a skewed worldview that I don't understand how so many people have, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And maybe it's just such a clique of a circle in the arts that are quite, you know, community based and <laughs> looking after each other based and that idea that I find it bizarre that that these just monsters keep getting away with just being like just conning people. I just don't understand it. So. Well, strap in for a good time as we go through our election <laughs> tweets then. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to try and make it as painless as possible. And I think a good way to do that is to, uh, now that I've made sure that I've... Oh, where's it gone, Matt? I, I had it there a minute ago. Where's your where's the video gone? That's crazy. Um, all right, well, look, it's the vid Matt's video has queued up very, very nicely there, uh, but seems to have disappeared. But I'm going to find it again. Um it seems to be doing strange things in the light box. Let's have a look. There we go. So, Matt, can you just uh, remind me which which one this is before we... Yeah, so um, oh. I did a video, which was... A, there it is. Uh, which was um, a kind of parody of, of what I think election night TV is always like. Um, although, of course, this year it's not... It wasn't like that. Uh, this year it was all different. And, and because it was the local elections and it was... Uh, a mix of different elections and the by-election and stuff. They didn't do the usual crazy election special with all the graphics and everything, which they sometimes do. So this felt, I think it, for some people, it felt almost a bit nostalgic, this video, because <laughs> it was like, oh, that's what it used to be like, you know, in the olden days. Mm. Um, but I still, managed, you know, I still put a, f a few jokes about what's happening now in it. So hopefully it still sort of felt felt genuinely topical. I mean, it did, it, yeah, it totally wet my appetite for that evening's sort of punditry, but of course there was absolutely none. I mean, they did have yeah. like a full-on day the next day, um, Friday and yeah. Saturday, but yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's dip into this. Uh, and, like Labour have... Hello, and welcome to our election night special, during which I'll be getting increasingly tired and tetchy with my colleagues, especially this prick. <laughs> and I'll be presenting the results in a jovial way, along with some baffling graphics that makes the process of choosing who runs the country feel like a computer game from the early 2000s. Well, they've been trying to count these votes as quickly as possible and be the first to declare as though that's a thing. 
A bit like a young man might try and complete his exams as quickly as possible and be the first in his family to go to university. Thank you, Jamie. Stay warm. Got a big coat. Didn't need a reply. Now, you're a respected political commentator with a column in a broadsheet newspaper and you've written three best-selling books and nine other books. What's going to happen tonight? It's going to be a bad night for Labour. They just haven't achieved any cut-through due to their lacklustre campaign. Well, we're just getting some results in, and it looks like Labour have done better than expected. As I just said, their low-key campaigning has really caught the public mood. No, it looks like I've got that upside down. Uh, looks like Labour have done worse than expected. Well, that was always going to happen due to their lack of energy. Nope, turns out this was an early poll and things have since changed. The only thing that never changes is the confidence I have in my opinions. Now, the government announced last week that they intend to punch everybody in the face who owns a doorstep. People just aren't talking about this on the doorstep. So we've got our spokesperson for the Labour Party on the line. Do you have a response to that? Well, what I'd say to that is... Oh, sorry, I need to cut you off. We're going straight back over to Jamie. Big news at the count here as some protesters from a local pressure group, Bypass Bypass, it's not clear if they're pro or anti, have arrived and disrupted proceedings by unfurling a large banner and chanting Bypass Bypass. So a surprisingly weak showing for the Freedom I Won't Let You Down party, whose frontman Jordan Stote is of course narrowly known for his acting work, but best known more recently for his infamous appearance on Questions Questions, where he told the audience he was bored of being called sexist just before calling the presenter sugar tits. Despite a large and well-funded campaign, he seems to have received fewer votes than the number of articles written about him in the press. Do you think this will be a wake-up call for the media? Absolutely not. Still no results here. Sometimes you just have to wait. A bit like a younger man might have to wait for an older man to die before he gets a chance to present from a nice warm studio like he deserves. It's all getting very exciting now. The, the red wall of um, China has been breached by the blue army of uh, Boris uh, and everything's turning purple. OK, so it's getting pretty late now and we're all getting a bit snippy. So let's go over to our resident comedian who will be giving us a sideways look at some of the night's events so far. Just a bit depressing really, isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Um, so two things there. Louisa's just reminded me to say to our streamers watching on YouTube, on Twitch and on Facebook to please follow us at LKT Zoom. Uh, I forgot that plug earlier because I was being heckled by my own equipment. But also Matt, um, actually really quite prophetic um, in that video in terms of the Labour performance, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't claim any great prophecy powers there. I think it was looking pretty likely that Labour weren't going to have a great night. Although I think, in a way, the point I was obviously trying to make there was that every time, you know, whatever happens, the commentators always react as though they had predicted it. You know, that, that whatever happens, it's like, well, of course, this was inevitable because blah, 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 blah. And what's been, I think, really interesting over the last few days is the fact that obviously the Hartlepool um, result was really bad for Labour. But then since then, there have been some kind of better results in some areas, particularly in the south and parts. Of, I mean, Wales has been a great result for Labour. And so and obviously in the cities, they've they've generally done pretty well. And it's been a kind of interesting. It's been interesting to me, like how, yeah, it's obviously about what which bits do you pick out as being the most important elections and which aren't. And um, the commentators will just say what they want to say that, you know, whatever they think that whatever they already agree with is what they will um, talk about so it's kind of tricky to get a real to, to get a kind of objective view of it I think I mean the turning of the paper upside down is almost like a metaphor for their performance actually but so let's let's sort of uh, bring on the pain then because obviously there's a lot of people who've actually commented on uh, the left's propensity to sort of tear itself apart uh, earlier I think it was today I spotted this one this Rosie, Rosie Holt oh the left if there was a zombie apocalypse we'd all eat ourselves before the zombies did um, and then there was a meme that I just had on screen there uh, from Mo. I, uh, I've never come across this uh, 
guy before, but I've seen the meme. I've seen the meme before, uh, and there you go. It's Labour right, centre left, soft left, hard left, having a bit of a bit of a ruck, and the British public sort of, uh, you know, getting stuck up, get on with their day. Uh, Chris Groves, who is well, Chris Groves, who is a conservative, uh, just sort of rubbing it in. Labour is going from a red wall to a red wedding. I mean, let's face it, the the uh, Game of Thrones analogies were totally there for the taking, really. Um, so, Julia, this is one that you picked out from uh, Simon Viz's Simon Donald. Hey, Labour, how about some fucking policies? Council housing, nationalised railways and all public transport back into regulation. All would be massive improvements to life in this country for everyone but the rich. Hence, the Tories will never do it. Um, and then there was, I mean, there was a, it was a lot going on. For, I mean, one thing that the Starmageddon scenario seemed to do was unite um, when he dismissed Angela Rayner from the general election planning and chairperson, was it seemed to sort of unite Twitter um, in terms mm. of like, nobody thought that was a great idea. Um, I'm actually, Louise, you've picked out a tweet. Louise has got a great tweet yeah, on, on that. So let's find that yeah. from Liam Young. Um, I believe I just saw it. Liam Young. Yeah, so I think it's underneath it. the dog Chris. one. Yeah. Yeah. Keir Starmer has decided to take full responsibility for Labour's disastrous campaign by sucking Angela Rayner, a northern working class woman. What an absolute waste, man. So, yeah, I mean, what, what I mean, the, the two big stories really were with Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon and and Angela Rayner from the other day. What's uh, what does everyone make of uh, the Angela Rayner fiasco? Well, Louisa, you picked the tweet. Can you just like let us know why? What 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 you know? What got you going there? I didn't hear about it till last night. Like, I'm I don't know much about any of them. And Labour, I don't know. Ever since um, Corbyn's gone, like, Corbyn seemed to make so many moves, but then he had so many people against him and lots of criticism from all sides or whatever. Like blah blah blah. It all seemed a bit of a hot fucking mess. And then Keir Starmer came along, was meant to be this knight in shining armour kind of figure. Like he was a, you know, some kind of big up lawyer, excuse my useless English, but like he's supposed to be quite great at arguing and dissecting arguments and putting them forward. And they just never seem to be anything. They never seem to be like a soccer punch of like, like this should be a walk in the park. I thought this should just be like a, a landslide easy there for the taking, knock him out in one. Like there's so much that, that has gone wrong that it should be easy for any opposition to, to come against. And the only person I really saw on Twitter making a lot of noise was Angela Rayner, always going on, on on Twitter and tweeting about things. And, then, and being a working class, I hate that phrase, but being a working class, like a, a woman from the North representing Labour, um, she became a real voice in terms of what I thought for the Labour. I think the Labour, I just thought of, you know, people like her and Jess Phillips or whatever. And so then to sack her <laughs> after the move that's just happened, just seems such bullshit. Like it's so in poor taste. It's so poor taste, it's bad timing. And there's a few people I've seen tweeting saying that, oh, well, she backstabbed Jeremy Corbyn because she wasn't a socialist. She claims to be la la la. I don't know the details, but just it seems to me it's just given um, it's just fed another pigeon to the Tories to destroy. Like we just are being made Labour just being made to look like a laughing stock is what yeah. I feel like there's just no there's no sense. There's no strong there's no strong facade. It's just very, very it's just fucking pathetic and I just feel like you know what let the Tories just have everything like this country's fucked for like the next 20 40 years and people have fucked it and part of me this sounds horrible I feel like you know what you deserve it if at this point you're still voting you fucking look at the destruction that's happening and what's happening to people like it's as soon as Brexit happened I was like oh I don't understand I think because I have 
like foreign parents myself, my mum was an immigrant here and how proud she was to be British and get a British passport and just the hostility that I've seen people, foreign people from around Europe feel because of Brexit. And we know most people in England are good. We know most of the country are filled with good people. So how the fuck we've got this level of toxicity and the only retort we have to that is the guy fucking sacking the one woman with a fucking accent. Jog on, like just bullshit. That's how I felt. Yeah, yeah, here, here. Pretty clear, where, pretty clear where you stand on that. If I was a DJ right now, I'd be playing Shiny Happy People as the kind of intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, what, what, what about you? What do you think? There's a bit of a story behind this. I've heard something just free, like in the last couple of hours that she, when Angela Rayner went to one of the visits to Hartlepool, she was wearing inappropriate clothing, like leopard skin pants and... Uh, you know. Oh, and she took first-class trains as well, didn't she? Um, that was that was something else. Apparently, you know, that was some. Oh, I heard that, that being a first-class train. Is that what it was, Matt? Apparently, that's what. That's, that's in some, the mix. It's in the mix. In the mix. I don't know. I mean, I I I, I feel like this whole election cycle this year has just been so phenomenally badly timed for Labour that I I can't. I feel like the context of this is so insanely difficult for an opposition party to do anything that that, you, that this whole year has been completely unique in this in you know the pandemic the government has been on the telly every day talking to the public and although i mean i agree that the government has screwed a lot of stuff up unfortunately from a labor point of view the vaccine program has been very successful and very popular and so this is the point at which this is the worst point to have an election for Labour. And I think that's been shown by the results that basically all the incumbents have done really well. So in Wales, Labour are in charge, they've done really well. In Scotland, SNP, blah, blah, you know, same. And, and whoever's in charge is, is because it feels like the, I think basically people in the country as a whole in general are feeling like, well, we're beginning to get through this thing and let's start to look to the future. Let's, let's not worry about what happened, you know, earlier in the year with all those deaths. Let's, let's move on to the next thing. And unfortunately, if you weren't physically affected by COVID, if, if someone in your family wasn't affected by it or you don't know people, then a lot of people have just had quite a nice year. <laughs> they've had a year where they've made more money than usual because they've been paid by the government to stay at home or they've, they've sat at home doing their normal job and not having to pay travel. They've seen their families more. That, you know, Actually, in some ways, it's been a relatively good year for some people. And so I think it's hard for us. I think if, if, you, if you pay a lot of attention to politics, and you know what's going on, you know, Boris Johnson is clearly the most morally depraved Prime Minister we've had since the last one. That, like, what are we, we're, I, I'm there going, I can't understand why anyone votes for him. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't pay, pay attention to politics. Loads of people don't. 90% of people probably plus don't. And so all they see is like, well, the vaccine's going well. I've, I've been paid by the government to either stay at home or, you know, my friends have order. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. And that's, yeah, I, I think Labour, and I think Labour... I absolutely agree with whoever it was then saying Simon Donald saying they need policies. I think Labour do need policies, but I think probably Labour would say, but this, this isn't a general election. Like we, there isn't a general election for another three years, probably. So we can't put all of our policies in the public domain and then <laughs> expect uh, anyone to vote because everyone will just go, well, that's not realistic. None, none of that stuff's going to happen. So I think, I, think, I think they were in a difficult, yeah, they were in a difficult spot. I don't think they did it well. I think they did a good job but it just as you were saying as you were talking it reminded me of um i suddenly thought gosh i, th I feel like keir Starmer was sort of in a position like nick clegg was in 2010 he had a very difficult hand to play but he's playing it quite badly 
And I think that's sort of what happened with Nick Clegg, that Nick Clegg had this sort of, he was in coalition, but he didn't have quite enough power in the coalition. So he didn't quite have enough influence to be able to do the things he wanted to do. But he, you know, and I, I always thought, yeah, but you, you still made a, you still made a mess of it. But, you know, mm. you, you could have done better, but it's hard. It's a tricky, it's a tricky place to be. But don't you think like both actually, you just mentioned Nick Clegg, both Nick Clegg and Keir Starmer, for me, they look like what politicians should look like. They sound like them. They're like like the quintessential Ken and Barbie Ken. So they are the Ken doll, the Ken you know, <laughs> prototype of, I mean, especially Starmer. This is what a Labour can, you know, like a Labour MP, this is Labour, like a leader could look like. But actually, when you take his clothes off, take his suit off, look under his pants, he's just like a Ken doll. You know, there's nothing there, no balls. And I think that's what these men lack, is they've got no balls. And they, you know, come match ready for fuck's sake. And I think I'm really annoyed as a lefty. I am annoyed that, you know, we aren't in a strong position. And they're just like, this should, and agree with Louisa, this should have been an easy win. And we, you know, even the mayor of London, like, he was only just got through. So they, and I agree with you, Louisa, there's loads of good people here. So who the hell is keeping this, yeah. this kind of people with different know, opinions shock horror and then surely this is one of the problems that the left has got um and there's a tweet from uh hugo oh god um his name's totally escaped from the times uh, obviously hugo young. thank you uh, no it's not hugo young it's um what's its son rifkin hugh, yeah rifkin. that's right uh, hugo rifkin yeah. and um obviously always on the news quiz how i don't know why i've forgotten him but he was basically saying is it any wonder that people don't want to get in the mix or join the Labour Party when you see how people within the Labour Party treat themselves. And, it, you know, again, we're back to the red wedding analogies and all the rest of it. You don't have to look very hard on Twitter to see examples of lefties stringing each other up. And it's it's not a good look. I mean, the tweet that, that I, I think I shared this one with you just today, yeah. the, the one that's gone quite viral, yeah, the, um, the interview with the guy in Hartlepool, yeah. I think is quite an interesting one because it, it's, it's, yeah, it's that one, the... Um, well, I don't know if you want to play yeah, it, but, but it's basically... It, it, is, it is pretty remarkable it, stuff, yeah, and then let's, yeah, we'll dissect it. Let's make sure I get it at the beginning, we'll, we'll dissect it. Labour, because we welcome your uh, traditional Labour voter. How are things... How do you reflect on this, this by-election and, and how you decided to vote in the end? Well, I suppose it's, like, for Harlepool and, and the, the likes of uh, Labour, it stems back to your granddad your dad and it's passed on to you you for labor because we're working class etc etc and now we're getting to a stage where you can sort of think for yourself we've had enough of labor they've just they've just wrecked it everything wrecked it wrecked it totally the hospital uh, we haven't even got a cell where we can lock someone up on the night we haven't got a court where we can take them to court. Yeah. What's that all about? We're a big town, aren't we? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, you've, you've, you've got to have these for the police. All the police have gone. The hospital, one, the, the hospital one's the one, for, one for us because we had the option to give birth uh, to our second son in, um, in Hartlepool. But we decided against it because there's no doctors and, and no theatres and sort of... If there was anything went wrong, God forbid, we'd have had to go to North Tees. So Matt, do you want to pick up on that? Yeah, I just think it's, I, I think that that to me is quite interesting. And I think it, you you heard very similar videos after Brexit and everything. And it's that like blaming the wrong people. 
for what's happening. Um, and I think it's something to do with our it's something to do with our electoral system that you have labor count, you know, in these places, you know, my, I grew up in Wakefield, which is, was a red, mm. absolutely red, 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 red yeah. until last. And it went blue. And, you know, uh, when I was growing up, the idea of a Tory winning in Wakefield would have been absolutely insane. You know, never have, uh, not in a million years, you, you used to weigh the votes for labor. But the thing about, the thing about it is that's, that's why it happened. The thing is that in, they'd been voting in the red war, you know, they've been voting for labor forever. <laughs> But nothing ever changed, and you know, the, and the councils were Labour, and nothing, and everything got worse, without realizing or without being able to put together the fact that the problem is they have to use money from the government, and the government decides what the funding rate is for councils, and they slashed it, particularly during the austerity years. And yet, you can see why people think, well, I voted Labour for thirty years, nothing's happened. I might as well change my vote and vote, vote for someone else. And it's hard. It's sort of hard to argue with them, even though it's it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to even though even though you can say to them, but hang on, but the government, the government isn't Labour. The government is Tory. If you vote for a Labour MP, that doesn't mean that th they can do anything unless they're part of the government. But but then in a way, you're basically telling people their vote is useless. So it's a sort of I can see why people have sort of finally decided, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to vote for the other guys because. They, you know, Labour don't seem to be helping, so I may as well vote for the people in power. If I vote for the people in power, maybe they'll give us some money. And, and, and the Tories were explicitly saying that in some of their leaflets. You know, if you vote for a Tory council, then the Tory government will give them more money. I mean, it's, it's incredibly <laughs> sort of shameless, but it seems to work, yeah. I mean, guys, do you want to come? I mean, I, I think it's a, such a fascinating clip. Um, for my money... Uh, you've you touched on you've been very sort of balanced about how you've interpreted that. I mean, I think obviously there's there's a lack of awareness in terms of who runs what. But when you've had, and I mean, this is what happened to people uh, like Dennis Skinner uh, uh, in 2019 election. You know, he'd been in he'd been an MP for years. If you've grown up somewhere that's had been one a one party state council of whatever colour, and you've had the same MP from the same party for years and years, that is going to build. A level of resentment and I think there's an element to all of this that you know the case again for proportional representation I think is very strong although local areas are starting to vote on local issues and the mayoral the mayoralty sort of enhance that I think that there are wasted votes in in certain areas if you've, you've got a vote you know if in London for example um, voting in London, you had to vote for the mayor, you had to vote for the candidate for the London Assembly, and then you also had the party list vote. And I think the similar uh, operates the same in Wales and Scotland, of course. There is a real power with that third vote because you're voting for the party that you want to, and they will pick up seats on that list. Whereas you could vote for, so for example, there are plenty of London Assembly seats where any other vote except for the incumbent is wasted. Um, and then there's a slightly, well, the mayor's a slightly different colour fish, but I, I, that's what kind of that's one of the things that came out from that. But um, it's an interesting footage, guys. Um, Sajila and Louisa, any thoughts on that? On on that video we've just watched. On the video, um, yeah, just as sad, but I think it is quite common. I think that's going to be quite a common thing that's coming up, and I don't know, you know, it. I, I don't, you know, you don't want to throw your own under the bus. I had this conversation with someone else about race. It's like, but you also, if you've got something in your veins, yeah, I am, I am a lefty. It's really hard then that the people that kind of supposedly represent your viewpoint 
or your kind of things that you stand up for and i'm kind of like going to go back to simon donald's like tweet mm. have some you know have some policies have something that actually we can hang our hat on and it's not happening and i don't know why i don't know why you'd think it'd be easy given like louisa kind of you know covered that but i don't know i mean i don't know if you've got more to sort of elaborate on that louisa i just I don't know. It makes me really sad, but it also, I'll tell you what else, it makes me feel really irksome about the celebratory speech that Johnson gave about Hartlepool, about all oh, the good people of Hartlepool have voted again for, you know, not a nationalist. He said something about like a one party or something. I don't know what he said, but he said something. Um, and he was really proud of the people voting for him. And you go, you're knowingly, gleefully. <laughs> These people are being conned and no one's correcting them. Like, why is that journalist not saying, yes, that's disgraceful? They've been closed because the Tories have been in power for 11 years. And the fact that, A, they don't know that or they don't realise that that is really fucking sad and stupid. The fact that the journalists have connected them. The fact that the Tories are benefiting from this ignorance. And the fact that they feel so let down by their own party that they haven't made enough noise that Labour hasn't educated them to say, look, this is what we want to try and do. Like, what the fuck? Like, you're just letting your own drown. It just, it just is so sad. That, for me, is incredibly sad to watch that video actually yeah, we've gone gone and got ourselves all depressed yeah i think we... no, don't worry yeah we go with something fun we are because... we, no you read my mind don't worry i wasn't i, I i'm just gonna stop yeah, no no in terms uh, of politics but i was just gonna like, put you know one of our guests well, actually, actually um sent it to me which is the um uh uh oh, okay nico oh, no, I we were st- oh okay oh i thought we'd go slightly like... because um i, I didn't on, know man. about this Apparently, this is this is he's really popular with all the young kids. Um, it's apparently in the chat because she reached out. Obviously, Karen's a regular uh, uh, for the show that she comes and watches, um, and a good friend of the show. But um, yeah, there's this, this I love his manifesto for like London Mayor. Um, so uh, like Boris Johnson will be forced to shush. Yep, um, all racists will have their teeth removed, which I particularly love. Hilarious. <laughs> Any McDonald's with a boat broken McFlurry machine will be shut down and turned into low rent housing. I mean, you know, these, these, these are the important things, people. It's better than bin face. <laughs> and you know, it's someone young because it's free transport for, for under 18s and over 69s, uni students included. I, I love this. I love this. And, and, and I don't know if he's a relative because it's very close to your name. It's a. a so what has he got? It's, it's O M I L A N A. I love him. I'm in Related. I love him. I do. Yeah. Well, and, and I, he's got my vote. Um, so yeah, this is uh, uh, if you want to follow him, it's at Nico Omilana. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 so that's just I thought it was quite a bit of fun uh, uh, stuff. He's got a couple of tweets that he's put out in the election uh, budget campaign. So he obviously didn't spend it. Lawrence Fox spent five million, which is a, the, the tweet underneath that one, by the way. Five um, million? Julie. Sounds, sounds yeah. a little so bit above this, budget for me. I don't know. He, so this is the uh, NDL vibe side, which yeah. is Nick, Nick Amelia. He's spent, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's just a joke, five million, yeah. million vibes. That's it. That He's just paid, he's just done his election on vibes. Lawrence Fox, 47,000 votes. Nico gets 2,000 more. And going to the London mayor vote, it was close. I thought it was going to be a clear run win. Um, 
I, I'm, I don't know, has anybody got I don't know why comment? you see, I'm surprised that you would think that. I'm sorry, but I've got to say that maybe there's a problem here with actually how much power the London Mayor has. But there were, there's a lot of disgruntlement with her, the performance of Sadiq Khan. And I wonder whether that's because his hands are tied on a lot of issues. I mean, how much London Mayors do actually really do? They have, they have bikes that are named after them. Um, but there's a, you know... There's a there's a knife there's a knife crime epidemic going on in London and people are very very aware of that and yet quite often the only communications they get from Sadiq Khan are very kind of inclusive remainery esque sort of messaging and it, it seems to be that seems to be there's there's a what do they call it uh, you know there's a sort of disconnect between actually heading going with these problems head on sometimes I. I'm really not surprised, and I think if the Tories had had a slightly more clued-up candidate, despite, I mean, you know, his best efforts, I think it could yeah. have been even closer, quite honestly. But also the biggest gainers were the Greens, who made a huge impact this year on first-choice votes. And I think, I think that's for me why, I mean, although it's not PR, it is at least, it does at least give you the two votes, the supplemental vote thing, and it means that you do get a chance to express an opinion with the first vote and then maybe go for the second vote, someone that you think might win. And that, I think people have used that, that voting system quite well this year to sort of say, look, we're, you know, we think the Green Party are an important, um, mm. uh, important part. They, I think they've won some seats as well, didn't they, uh, in, the, in the London um, Assembly. So, yeah, I think it, fe it felt to me like it was closer than people thought because I think, I wonder if people use their votes slightly more yeah, more tactically than people were expecting, um, but it was uh, yeah. I was <laughs> I was very pleased it wasn't um, uh, Lawrence Fox or uh, or Ben Face or any of the others. Right, we've wandered into serious again. Didn't mean to do that. I will just say well done for Nico for having a ban on three quarter length trousers. There is literally something for everyone in his manifesto. <laughs> so I love his manifesto. Let's go, uh, Luis. You had a tweet. I mean, this is it's got to be comedy. It's Elon Musk. You had a tweet about Elon Musk. Let's let's. Uh, what's going on here? Public support for life on Mars is critical to making it happen. I just yeah, it's hilarious. But also, I don't know if you watched his SNL um, speech. Did you see his SNL monologue? He hosted SNL at the weekend, and it's actually really disarming and really funny. Like I, I really liked his. Um, speech he's quite funny like and he he says he's got asperger's and the thing he he says oh you know he's got asperger's syndrome or whatever and he he says he often tweets things that he just thinks in the spare of the moment he often gets criticized for things and different things i know there's been controversy and things that he's tweeted yeah. but <laughs> i just thought that was really funny public support for life on mars is critical to making it happen okay Elon, <laughs> let's all go for life on mars like it's just it's just mad because to me that's so out of this world literally <laughs> But for him, that's actually like a genuine, you know, oh, no, I'm going to make it happen. Like, it's just, it's kind of mad and brilliant and hilarious and, yeah. Do you think he's getting he's getting a sense that, I mean, obviously he's done SNL, you have to tell us um, a bit more. Did that go down quite well? Was it quite, was it reasonably natural? Uh, yeah, it was. He, did, he just owned up to it from the very beginning. So at the very beginning, he was like... You know, I don't have changed my intonation in my voice. I am Asperger's. I have to say when I enjoy things or when I am happy to be somewhere because people don't believe me. Um, I have fucked up on Twitter a lot. I do want to go to the moon. Like he was just like it was really endearing. Actually, it was. Um, you could tell he had a lot of good writers around him to help him pen something so you know, self. Um, what's the word? 
self self-deprecating. Self-deprecating, yeah. Yeah. I will I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, yeah, it was a good speech. I thought it was. I thought it was a very well done speech from him. I didn't expect that because I thought him going to present Saturday Night Live, but actually, he. Um, I think he was true to himself. So yeah. Good stuff. Well, I think he's clearly getting a sense of. There is more of a sense of fun. I mean, he's moving away from tweets, uh, you know, accusing other people of being paedophiles to, uh, to taking the pee out of himself. So it's got to be. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got to be progress. <laughs> Right, so let's. Uh, we've we've managed to wean ourselves off the election, uh, which is it's good. Um, inevitably, it was going to be, uh, uh, you know, one that detained us. Uh, who wants to give a shout to what's uh, what tweet they'd like to talk about next? I'm just uh, scrolling down. Right, the guy, the guy in the Shabar Kameez, like the, the the Asian guy here. Oh, but that takes us back to the election, sort of, doesn't I'm it? He's a Tory guy. Yeah. One in there. I mean, I should say to viewers that if you want to check out that tweet, uh, it's Hannah Othman who's done this from the Sunday Times as a Tory candidate called Tiger. Uh, I can't quite remember what his proper name is, but I know Tiger is his nickname. And it's basically just a moody video of him walking around a playground to music. Uh, it's so funny. It is... He looks like gangster. Huh? <laughs> I said he looks gangster. <laughs> well, he's done. He did a video when he stood as an independent to the Rocky theme tune as well. Right, I think. So I, he's got yeah. he's got form on this. He really has. Um, right, that's and he got two, two million views. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. He has done, and probably yeah, probably more honest kind of like appraisal of of, of the Conservative Party. I don't know. And anyone who's like, okay, shut up, stupid. Sorry, everyone's entitled to an opinion, guys. Right, everyone's entitled to an opinion, and their politics. Yes. Um, what else we got? Right. Oh, I enjoyed. Oh. I, I, I enjoyed. I don't know if uh, I enjoyed the dishwasher one. Uh, that just to go completely uh, the other direction. Yes. I don't know if you did. You see this one? There was a guy who yeah, revealed on Twitter this week that he's been living in a flat for two years, <laughs> and only realised this week that he has a dishwasher. Only realised this week that he's got a dishwasher. That's hilarious. Yeah, because <laughs> it's one of those um, integrated ones. It so it's it. sort of part of the. You know, it's part of the. Uh, the cupboards but it does have a handle it's not like because we've got an integrated one that doesn't even have, have a handle so you can sort of see how you might miss that but it's got a handle but he's just never tried the handle he's never tried pulling it and it just really made me laugh the idea of spending to and then just the feeling of as you as you open it going oh for fuck oh really it must it must be like finding a, a safe in the house because that's what the, like those you know like the things that just look you don't know where the fridge is you don't know I get freaked yeah. out by that. I really do because I'm really forgetful, and I, I don't just, yeah. I don't, I don't want, I want to know where my fridge is. I want to there know where my yeah. dishwasher is. I want, I, you know, I don't want hidden things. I don't want surprises. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what, what seems to have happened to your tweets, Matt, is despite the fact I've liked them, they haven't turned up in the lights tab. What is that about? Jack Dorsey, Twitter, come on. It's probably I'm being censored. It's... Like Trump, I'm being censored. Yeah, but that is Obviously, a great story. My life washing up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It is incredible. But it, rem it reminded me of something that happened to me when I when I moved into this flat. Um, we'd been here a few months and we it, we'd moved in sort of when it was warm, so we hadn't needed the heating. And and then one, you know, it was getting cold, so we needed the heat, and I couldn't get the heating to work. And so I called the British gas engineer out and was like, I don't know what's happening, the heating's not working. And he was like, Where's your thermostat? And I was like, My what now? And. <laughs> He was like, your thermostat, where's it? Where's the... And I was, I, I was like, no, we don't, oh, I don't know, maybe we don't have one. And he literally just went, you mean that? And just pointed at the wall that was next to me. And it was obviously like a little box on the wall, but it didn't look like a thermostat somehow. It was like a, and I, and I was like, oh, is that a thermostat? And he just went over to it. I just went, click. And then the heating came on. 
and uh, I felt like I, I've never felt that embarrassed in front. Oh, I was just like, you. yeah, th thanks, thank you very much, thank you, thank you. That's like what we're like there. every time we go up to Edinburgh, right? Like every year you go up to Edinburgh, and we're yeah. always staying in flats, and you're trying to work out like how do you put the fucking heating on in this obscure student flat? Like where's the fucking heating? Yeah. Or the TV, the remote on the TV, yeah, every flat, or or the washing machine, like yeah, all of this stuff. I can't. I remember turning up. At just yes, Sorry. one flat we've ever stayed in. All those years we stayed there, we never worked out how to use the TV because we could never work out the remote control. We, we were too tired after shows, and it was just a fucking waste because we only got the flat because we had a TV, and we never bloody watched it. Sorry, uh... Matt. We had it. No, we. I just remember we had a, it. Reminded me of a terrible Edinburgh flat I was in one year where the freezer section of the uh, fridge was like taped, duct taped shut, so you couldn't oh, open it, and then. Um, and they did, there were no wardrobes in the house, so there was nowhere to put your clothes. And there was that, and like the carpet was made of some sort of weird. It was. It, it felt like it was kind of um, papier mâché that had been sort of oh badly God. done. So it was like really bobbly, and so it was horrendous. And we called the estate agent, and they were like, "Well, yeah, we didn't specify there was a freezer in." Them. <laughs> and we were just like, "Fuck <laughs> off!" <laughs> we 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 got them to buy us those like clothes rails, and we sort of lived like we were in a like a camp for it. it was ridiculous oh my yeah. god well there's the famous nigel clarefell story where he uh, picked up all the uh, uh cockroaches that were in his flat and uh, and then took them to the uh the lettings agency <laughs> and i think dumped them on the desk basically for the, just to make his point i mean do you think this tweet actually you know i would actually go around my house try, trying all the cupboards just in case there were some appliances that i'd overlooked it's brilliant that's a great find. I think there are two types of people. There are people who, as soon as they walk into a room, try all the switches. Do you know what I mean? There are just, you, I know people like this who every time, you know, click, oh, I wonder what that is. And, they, and then other people, I think I'm more like that person just to go in and just assume that whatever is there, I, you know, I'm not going to assume there is a... It reminded me of, um, I don't, there was a story, I think it was on TikTok originally, a few months ago, of a woman in the US who, there was like a weird draft in her um, bathroom. She couldn't work out where it was coming from, like a breeze. And she discovered there was like a little hole behind her mirror where a breeze was coming through. And she sort of took the mirror off and there was a whole other flat behind wow. the mirror, like, like an empty, abandoned, like it, was an, it had been sort of empty and abandoned. She went into the flat and looked around. It was just like an empty, completely empty flat. Absolutely terrifying. God, this Narnia behind the wardrobe. Yes. Like exactly. <laughs> I dream of those panic, like, you know, having a hidden panic room. Yeah. I want to go to Edinburgh and find a hidden panic room. Uh, with all, all you know, lots of gizmos and stuff. Um, but yeah, that'd be that'd be quite fun. But I don't, I don't want it in my kitchen. I want, I want, I just, I demand to know where the instruments are. I demand to know how they work, and I need simple things. But I do like this tweet very much. Um, yeah. So what, what have we got? Uh, oh, I, I just saw one that I don't know who chose it. I was going to change. Well, I was going to go back to one that I was sort of ping ponging between our guests. And there's one here. I think this is yours, isn't it, Louisa? Is it yours? Yeah, 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 yeah. It just reminded me of like, you know, when you go to, like I've been living in Birmingham recently and um, I haven't been out in Birmingham on a night out or anything, but um, just locally I've been, sh like if I go to get stuff, I quite like going to, there was like a local bakery and nice little greengrocers and stuff rather than big shops. And then just the difference in price between a baker's or a greengrocer's in London, or even something small like a bouquet of flowers. I can get a really nice bunch of flowers here for like 15 quid. And in London, it's just this idea of drinking in Austin after living in New York is like spending Monopoly money. I almost died last night and I spent $25. <laughs> 
Like, do you remember when you go to these small towns, or like when you're touring and you go to these small towns, you get a drink around and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so much cheaper. Or like, it's so, your money goes so much further. And I love it when you go abroad, like when I go to Poland, not that I've been for a while, but I remember two years ago when, and ordered like a gorgeous, like a three course meal and two drinks for me and my sister. And it came to like something like, you know, to 30 quid, 40 quid for a gorgeous full on, you know, several <laughs> courses. And I just like that. I like that um, it's a nice little difference between the big cities, which is great, but then all the little, the little places to go to too. I love that. I, I when I used to do student gigs quite a lot, when you turn up at the student bar and they'd, it'd always be like a pound a pint, yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, "What? This is dangerous. <laughs> this is a dangerous place to be." Particularly when you're staying over, and the the ents guys go, "Come on, have a drink," and you went, "Yeah, you can get a round in for like eight quid." <laughs> it's yeah. terrifying. That's crazy. Oh dear. On that, what what, what do you feel like when we get back? Because we haven't been spending money, isn't gonna, everything's going to seem really expensive. Yeah. I mean, like today, I bought, um, I went into uh, a restaurant near Tooting because I had my second jab today. And I thought, oh, I'll just pop in and get some samosas and pakoras and things like that. And, and yeah. it came to like 30 odd quid for a few, and I was like, for a few nibblies. But I was really outraged. But it probably is the normal price that I would have paid before. But it just seems so much more expensive because we're not used to. Because if you're doing it online, it doesn't really count. But if you're, I've seen a lot of people talking about that about alcohol. That when you go back to a bar, they'll they'll pour you an actual single, not what you've been pouring yourself at home. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. So yeah, everything's going to seem weird, isn't it? Going back, I think. What what's what's your what's the big thing that you're looking forward to buying with cash or or a card that you know can go in restaurants, drinks, or is there a, is there a preference that you guys have got? Or just to go buy a drink in a in a gig, maybe is that your thing? I I am. Um, I went to Dunelm. It opened recently, um, like the homeware stuff. It's got like lots of homeware stuff, and it felt so nice just to be able to go around and browse. I didn't really buy anything, but just browsing felt nice to be in a shop. And then on the same day, I went to um, Debenham, which they've closed down, and it was so sad to see everything just empty and all this. And actually. Just a department store, you know, like an old department store, just seeing something like Debenhams that used to be quite aspirational when I was younger. Like it was dead fancy to go to Debenhams. And it, just seeing your empty shelves, you just think, oh God, like so much is, you know, so much has been lost in this time, hasn't it? That we're going to go back to um, when things open up again. And and in a way, like restaurants or bars, they're, they're right to charge more. You know, they've also struggled and had a difficult time. Yeah. Like they need to make their money back too. What annoyed me though, Sajila, is um, waitressing, like customer service. I went for a friend's um, 40th to a pizza place and they got the order wrong, they got the cocktail wrong, they got everything wrong and I was there like complaining. And my sister and my friend were like, give them a break, they've not worked for a year. And I was like, you know, have they fucking forgotten how to fucking be a waiter? Come on now. Um, Can I just point out though, we got to go back there and live gigs and we're going to get the same thing. Oh, that was fucking shit. I know, I know, I know. We're out of practice. Oh, yes. You're asking what I want, I, what we want to get. I, this <laughs> makes me think of one of the other tweets I suggested, which was the um, the Japanese town one. Did you see that? It was a um, the Japanese oh, town gosh, yes. that was yes, given yes. that yeah. was given loads of money by the Japanese um, government for COVID relief funds, and they spent two hundred thirty thousand dollars on a statue of a squid. Hilarious. I love it. 
I just I love the idea that you know we all want a treat. Yeah, we, some of us want to go to the hairdressers. Some of us want to go get drinks. Some of us want to go to the cinema. Some of us want to buy a massive squid. You know what? I'm with them. I'm with the squid. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'd do. I'd buy a fucking giant squid just to cheer everybody up. Yeah, that's what they need because because that's, that's what they're doing it because it's like apparently that's like a delicacy in the area and it's like it's well known for the squid catch and oh, stuff. Really? And that's that's what we need for Hartlepool. Just like a big like a big statue of I don't know cod and chips or something yeah. or you know. Or like someone not wearing a coat, just just a big statue. That's what they need. Do you think you can get them from John Lewis? Maybe I don't know. I mean, I think Boris <laughs> yeah, could probably get away with spending two hundred thirty thousand pounds on a on a squid, you know, g- given the track record. So it's all untouchable. Yeah, absolutely. Now. I'd, I'd I'd rather that they bought the whole town, like squid rings, you know, like like, like something cooked. You know, because like, I'd like to eat the squid. I wouldn't. I don't want to just look at that. It's not. <laughs> but this squid is forever, Sajila. No, it's art. It's, it's forever, but I don't want it forever. I, I'm happy just to put it in my belly and give it a meal. <laughs> quite frankly, um, I mean, it's not. I don't particularly like this piece of as an art. I mean, it's it's two hundred. You have to see it in person. Thousand pounds. The dollars. Dollars. Sorry. It's. Um, That's mainly the delivery cost. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most expensive Uber. Eats kind of <laughs> thing that's ever been ordered, um, but yeah, uh, two hundred thirty thousand on on that on relief money. I mean, that's I don't know what to say about that, but it's it's great. Um, what would you spend two hundred thirty thousand pounds on, guys? I would pay off my mortgage or pay a lot of my mortgage off. Actually, is what I would do, um, so that we if we ever got into this mess again, at least I know that I'll be all right with a roof over. My- uh, I'd invest in um, uh, Zoom, <laughs> yeah. face masks. I mean, we're still. I what I still think we're going to be using this stuff for a while. So yeah, I'd uh, I'd get I'd get in on all that stuff again, or a squid statue. I still like the squid statue. <laughs> You'd get a squid statue. We just deliver just deliver it to someone random. <laughs> That's the thing. Just send it to someone. Just send it to Lawrence Fox or something. Just be like, you what? This is what you win for the mayoralty. <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Well, Julian, you got any, any I, ideas? Well, I, I probably would spend it on tech, but I'm maybe tempted to uh, give it to Elon Musk. To, I'm not thinking he needs it for his Mars mission, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's tr- tricky to, th- yeah, it's a tricky thing to, to concept, uh, that one. Uh, it's a lotto, a lotto win. But um, yeah, what about you, Sajil? Have you answered already? I'd, I'd be really boring and I'd save it because I've got no pension plan. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'd be doing. Um, yeah, that's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, I should have, yeah, that yeah. should have been my answer, actually. <laughs> or just really have a massive blowout. And when, when we can travel again, just have a really, take all my friends that I love, just have a massive big mansion house somewhere and live, live you know, live the life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So- I think we all need a lot of parties. I genuinely think we all need like a month over the summer where we're allowed out but not working. Like we all need that time again. Do you know what I mean? Like, like a month of like, and, and, and you know, not all at the same time because we we all want to go to restaurants. So like, stagger it so people who get to work in restaurants get to have it at a different time or whatever. But yeah, we all need a bit of time um, just just seeing people and not having to work at the same time. It'd be lovely. So now we found your tweets, Matt, uh, nestling in this book. There's one <laughs> from Naomi Wolf. I was slightly intrigued by this. Um, I get daily, so she says, I get daily texts from friends and former friends telling me to stop. Uh, one just messaged me, you're doing incalculable harm. They don't offer any evidence. They don't say I'm factually wrong. They just say stop. 
that's how transparency and journalism die and tyranny solidify. So what was this in, this was just out of the blue, it wasn't response to anything in particular, was it? Well, yeah, I mean, this was, I suppose I picked this because it, it, for me, it kind of exemplifies a kind of thinking about, you know, the, the sort of anti-lockdown, anti-vax, um, anti-science, conspiracy theorist thinking is, is she's, she's gone very much down that rabbit hole and over the last few months and has gone increasingly kind of down that sort of way. And, and I just found that, te I found the tweet kind of, it's just sort of, <laughs> sort of, we're back to sad, but it is a bit sad because it's sort of, I sort of feel like if, if all my friends were sending me texts going, mate, stop, calm, like you're doing incalculable harm, I might think about it for a minute and think maybe I am, maybe I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But it's that sort of, it's like everybody, particularly in, particularly on the sort of conspiracy theory-sided way of thinking, there's a real sense in which, like, they have to be the victim. They're, you know, they're the ones who, they're the ones who are striking uh, a blow for reality and for truth, and everyone else is against them. And actually, it's 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 just not true. And and particularly, Naomi Wolf is a particularly good example of this because she's, she was the one who, quite recently, had a book out where she did an interview with a guy from the BBC who, halfway through the interview basically told her that her book was based on a factual misunderstanding of something yeah and the whole book turned out was based on a on, on a yeah, yeah um yeah that that is the 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 situation where she wrote this whole book about um called outrage about uh homosexuality in the 19th century and how it was treated really badly and it was all based on the fact that loads of people were put to death for being gay but in fact that didn't happen and she misinterpreted the data and so it's quite, I've listened to that interview, I remember at the time, and it's fascinating, this guy just sort of saying, you know that you've got that rock, like that is, that isn't what happened though. And the way that she tried to sort of work her way around and then had to eventually go, okay, no, you're right. I haven't, I did that, I got that wrong. And it's amazing that you can do that a year, like two years ago, and then now you're back in the kind of conspiracy world. It's uh, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, I didn't know, I had no idea about which direction she'd gone in. So I, that was really, useful context to put that one out I have to say so Louise are you still uh, still all right there out there have you got one do you want to share one more tweet if you've got time um, I don't know where they are remind uh, me where yeah, here we go let's let's put them here uh, oh yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah show the Irish Irish Prime Minister oh, right. like oh, yeah that's also oh, that one but the Irish Prime Minister one because so many people sent me this one yes. Um, which is gorgeous. Uh, Michael Higgins is the Irish um, president, sorry, um, and he has two Bernese Mountain dogs. I've got a Bernese Mountain dog, and sadly, one of his Bernies passed away uh, um, a while, I think about six or seven months ago, and he got a Bernese puppy. And this is a six-month-old Bernese um, puppy who looks massive already at six months old. And uh, you can totally. still see it still in training because the previous two would just sit either side of him like those London lion statues. Um, but this one is obviously still in training. And during his press release to the nation, he's addressing the nation. <laughs> and the dog just wants his attention. And so many people sent it to me. And it's just, oh, so feel-good and so gorgeous. And I just think if all leaders... I think you can judge a good leader by whether or not animals like them. Complete <laughs> <laughs> with music. <laughs> he must have a treat in his pocket, sure. Yeah, and he's just waiting <laughs> you when he takes it, you know, he just keeps going and ignores it. It's so sweet. That is adorable. 
It's nice to see like the head of a concrete be like that, you know. Like... Well, it just goes to show that you don't need an expensive uh, briefing room. Just get a dog, basically. Louisa, <laughs> you've got two, three of those dogs now. Did you give the... No, 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 I've got one. There she one. is. Okay, so you, you've got rid of the other puppies, yeah? The... Yeah, all the puppies went to a home. So Darshan's got one of the puppies, our mutual friend, Darshan. Oh. Ah. Uh, to... so I recalled Louisa saying, I should, should I buy a house and a dog? And I said, no, not now. I've got to think about it. And then before I knew it, you bought the house and the dog. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, will it grow? Oh, yes, they grow big enough to be up because you can't see because it's at a full grown. Um... Yeah, mine. So she's, um, this is a girl. So the girls are smaller than the boys. So that's Bernie. She's four wow. years old. She's 55 kilos and a big fatty because she keeps stealing all the food. <laughs> trying to get on to diet at the moment, which is not working very well. Um, but yes. Have we got time to quickly cover the tweet that I picked up from Rosie Jones, um, which is just under the video of... Is this the... one, I think, is it? Ah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just wanted to know if anybody relates to this. So I, I have the audacity to send voice messages, but I do not have the patience to listen to my friends' replies. And I, we had a sort of discussion about not opening emails and stuff last week. And I just thought, actually, I'm, I don't know. My, most of my close friends know that I'm deaf, so like, don't send me voicemails. I, I will never hear them, I, and, and I, or I'll have to spend time looking for the headset. Da 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 da. And I, I and, and it, it, we've got like fatigue, lockdown fatigue. I haven't got time to listen to stuff. And some people send me like ten minutes of 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 a of a whole monologue where they could have just phoned me. So I'm, it's a different kind of conversation from last week, uh, Julian. But um, yeah. yes, are, are we fans of the uh, voice messages, guys, Louisa? Um. I don't, yeah, I prefer a voice message to group chat. Don't don't put me in a group chat. I will remove myself immediately. <laughs> so I would prefer, yeah, I don't mind that. Actually. I, I don't mind listening to, um, the only thing is that I sometimes feel the too blue tick pressure to be like, oh, they know I've read it. I've got to reply now. And it's like, well, no, you can, you can leave it and reply like you would to an email, you know, several hours later. That's the only thing that annoys me more than voice notes. Okay, Matt? Yeah, start? I'm I'm not a big I mean I don't I don't mind getting a voice note if it's fairly short and to the point and whatever but um I never reply with a voice note. I've never used a voice note. So I think I always feel like I'm like an old sort of old-fashioned gentleman who's like getting a telephone call and going, "No, I'll send them a letter." No, thank you. I'll I'll take them take the message then I'll send them a letter because I'll always I always send a message back. And and I have had a few conversations with like voice note message, voice note message, which um I think makes one of us at least look mad. <laughs> Yeah, back to the, the, back to the, the communications. Yeah, well, I, pretty hardcore on the voice message. I mean, I do. So my voice message will say, please don't leave a message. Please send a text or an email. Um, I mean, so I think I say you can leave a message as if to say you don't want to. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of like I could do without voice messages. If someone can put it, I'm just I'm just very conscious of having stuff in in black and white, actually, I've got to say. So oh, that sounds, that's yeah. very sort of suspicious nature, isn't it? I don't know. I like to live in the moment. I think I just prefer just a phone call, you know, even to FaceTime, I just prefer like just a real time phone call. And if you miss it, you miss it. If you, you get it, you get it and you talk. And that's, that's nice. There's too much pressure with the text messages. So what, we've got to make arrangements and what time we can talk. I mean, not, I'm talking about friendships, not like work stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, so uh, have you got anything left, uh, Jules? Didn't, didn't, didn't see any of your 
Was it all political uh, stuff? Yeah, I think most yeah. of mine get, got sort of wrapped up in the in the politics, really. Um, actually, Louise, let's do that because I, oh, I need on. it sort of demystifying for me. Um, I may, uh, so imagine you're reading a breakup text on your Apple Watch. Law. So what, I've not had it. I haven't got an Apple Watch, so... It's just, you know, sometimes you can just get these smart watches that the text message comes through to your watch. That's all it is. So you, sometimes you can check your watch and you can see what the text message says. So it's just... I've had at least, yeah, I've had at least, I've got, a, I've got Fitbit, which does that too, but in a less good way. And I definitely, I can't remember what it was now. This is a bad story. But I definitely, I got one, I got a text once, which was quite a bad, like bad news, like from somebody on my Fitbit. And it felt wrong <laughs> to be like, going, oh, she's in hospital. That's, a, you know, just to kind of look at it on your, your yeah. watch or something. I, yeah, it was, uh, it did feel some, somehow um, inappropriate. That could be a really long voice message where you say, if it's, if it's bad news, then you need this number or if you yeah. need this channel. It's like literally just segregate into WhatsApp yeah. or whatever. But yeah, context, I suppose, you know, context is everything, really. It's got to be said. And there's... I don't want to be dumped by a Fitbit watch. Hmm. No. That's, that's, What's that's... the worst media to be dumped? Is that the worst? Do you think that's the worst um, way to be dumped then? Is that, do you think I think press conference is probably worse. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't done your steps today, and by the way, you've been dumped. People have been dumped you. Yeah, no, that's not that's not cool. I, I, I just make me feel like loads of self-loathing there. Um, worst way to be dumped, Matt Green. Uh, well, yeah, press conference. <laughs> Louisa. Yeah, I'm with Matt. A press conference. <laughs> I mean, I feel pretty important, but yeah, I think I'm with Matt as well. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I have to say. Right, we should um, we should sort of guide this towards the end. Um, thank you so much, uh, you guys. It's been fantastic. I know we've managed to sort of relive the election, and, uh, and that was pretty harrowing. I realise that, but thank you for for bearing with. Um, so, admin time. Uh, if anyone in the Zoom room, by the way, thank you very much for joining us. If you have any last minute questions or anything to share please hit that chat button now before I close. Um, meanwhile, I will do the admin by saying if you want to follow our guests on Twitter, you can. Uh, Matt is at Matt Green Comedy and Louisa is at Louisa Omiland. So pretty straightforward, uh, pretty catchy. Uh, if you want to support what we do, you can do that by going to the Buy Me A Coffee website. Very simple, I'll just do the high-tech thing. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash let's tip kill Twitter. Um, crucially, please do follow us on our Twitter page. Uh, we're at LKT Zoom. Uh, on our website, you can find all past episodes. We've got audio files on there and links to YouTube. Plus, we'll be making a podcast version out of this, and that will be on Spotify and maybe on iTunes one day. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, do you, do you have anything to plug before we uh, love you and leave you? Louisa? Um, I'm doing um, a run of shows at Soho Theatre at the end of the month, um, but I'm also doing an open air show at the Regent's Park Theatre from July the 4th, which I'm excited about. Uh, I've not done an open air theatre before, and I'm doing my new show, God is a Woman. I'm going to do part one, because God is a Woman is going to be two parts, I think, so I'm doing part one of God is a Woman, uh, July the 4th at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Was that before lockdown, or have you just done that recently? No, 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 it was booked in like 18 months ago. It was booked in for ages ago and it's just been, it's kept being, um, you know, postponed. So hopefully, fourth time lucky. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go watch Louisa. It's always, it's always a joy. And Matt, what have you, what have you got in the pipeline, anything? 
Um, well, I guess, yeah, I'll be making more videos. Um, and so, yeah, if you find me on YouTube and Twitter and stuff, that'd be cool. And um, I am going to be doing some live shows. Um, I'm doing the Camden Fringe in August. Uh, I'll be doing five shows there. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to come see me live, that's probably the best place to find me. Okay. Anything? Any last last bits of admin that you want to? Any any online stuff, Louisa, that you might have with no, another, another no, thousand no, people? No. That's got to be a record, surely. I'm sure. I'm sure that's. I mean, a... Well, for me, it was a record. It was amazing. Uh, it was lovely. No, nothing to plug. Just keep. Just go out and support live shows and keep supporting Zoom shows and just come and see us. Like we miss you and it'd be lovely to have a live show. So just come and see us and support the acts and support art and just yeah, everyone stay safe. Said, and uh, we're, we're going to hang back and have a little green room chat afterwards in Matt's green's little green room there. You've got your own <laughs> green room going on there. Um, and I'll, I'll let Julian sort of say goodbye and I'll say goodbye to your guys. Uh, so we'll see you in the next one, which is... Uh, yes, thank you for the good prompt. Uh, the next one is Sunday, May the 23rd at 8pm again. And that's going to be with a husband and wife team, Laura Lex and Tom Livingston. So looking forward to that very much. And uh, tonight's been great. Watch out for clips from the show that will be coming your way. And as I say, the podcast and uh, obviously the YouTube recording will be out as well. So thanks very much. Uh, it's time and to the say... Sorbet show next Sunday. And the Sorbet show next Sunday at 8.30 till 9.30. Our 30 minute catch up. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Thanks for the plug. Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. So big one, two, three. Goodbye, streamers. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Please do check out the other podcasts in the series. If you go to our website, www.letskilltwitter.com, you'll find all our previous shows listed and you can find links to the YouTube versions as well as audio files. If you'd like to support our work, you can do via buymeacoffee.com. If you go to their website, you'll find a Let's Kill Twitter page set up for donations. But anything you can do is much appreciated. A like, a follow, a recommendation to a friend, it all counts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to be in your ears again very soon.